Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have Angus of Arepa. Arepa creates a beverage and other products that help you think better and improve your mental clarity. There has been a lot of health drinks lately that have come into the market, so it's normal to view these claims with some skepticism. However, Arepa is made from 100% natural ingredients and has been tested at the Centre for Brain Research at the University of Auckland. In their words, it is your caffeine and sugar-free alternative to Red Bull. Today, we talk to Angus about his story and the story of Arepa, how they got started, how they're scaling, and their plans to take over the beverage world. Without further ado, let's welcome Angus. Hi, how are you? Yoda, how's it going, Prison? Yeah, going good. So, Angus, let's start at the very beginning. Um, a question I like to ask all my guests who come onto the show. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Was food a really big feature for you? Um, yeah, food, I suppose, my childhood was pretty, um, I guess, from a food perspective, uh, pretty plain and simple um, in the sense that, um, you know, my parents kind of came off traditional, you know, farms where it was, you know, meat and three veg for dinner. Um, my mum was definitely very um, health focused, so we, we were never really allowed sugary drinks or lollies and sweets and so whenever you know I'd go to a friend's birthday party I would be super excited to get my hands on some <laughs> Coca-Cola um, but yeah I guess the for me food really started to, to have more of a, a bigger impact in my life and 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 go further beyond you know traditional um, cuisine probably as I got to university and started to hang out with friends and, and go um, you know live and eat beyond um, where I grew up which was Napier and Hawke's Bay. Okay yeah there's some great produce in that area. I just love. Um, I love visiting Napier. So. Yeah, Hawkes Bay definitely has a um, a, a solid um, variety of really high uh, quality um, fruits and, and vegetables. We're, we're quite lucky, and wine too, actually. Yeah. So tell me, when was the first time you had like a coffee or energy drink, and what's your relationship been with those coffee and energy drinks? I mean, you said that you didn't really have sodas and things like that as a kid. Did that change when you were at university? Yeah, I mean, I've never really been because I, I suppose my mum kind of forced us to, you know, be more conscious about what we consumed from a beverage perspective growing up. Um, I, I never really, you know, as I got to university and, and started to become more aware of my health, I never really um, consumed Coca-Cola or energy drinks, you know, regularly. Um, and my favorite beverage was probably chocolate milk growing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I probably, I, I had my first coffee when I was at university and it really wasn't um, something that I was really drawn to. Um, I probably had my first energy drink, you know, in my um teenage years but again something that I wasn't really drawn to um for me uh caffeine definitely um I get quite a um 
you know, it produces quite a strong effect for me and, and often, um, it, you know, I, I can really feel the, the effects of caffeine, you know, hours later. So I've, I've been quite sensitive to that. So I've, I've kind of, um, you know, steered away from, from consuming those products, I'd say. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Um, I uh, I used to love chocolate milk as well growing up, so we have something in common there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something about um, New Zealand as well with, you know, the um, how big Fonterra and, and our dairy industry is. Um, you know, we were, we were spoiled for choice. I mean, I remember when I moved to New Zealand, I was actually surprised that it, chocolate milk just used to be available in, you know, like your supermarket fridges because that's something very rare. Um, it's, and it's not really something that would happen in India. So I was quite excited with, uh, you know, Primo and all that likes. But obviously, that's really filled with sugar. So anyways, moving on. Tell me, one of the first jobs you said you had was working at the food bowl. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and what you learned there that helped you in your startup? Yeah, so uh, the Food Bowl is a $30 million modular food factory um, run by New Zealand central government, primarily Callahan Innovation, and um, it's a awesome place. It's basically, think kind of like Willy Wonka um, times, you know, high-tech food equipment and uh, on a kind of small to medium commercial scale, and literally you can make anything you can almost think of um at, at this facility <clears throat> and so i came across the food bowl um as one of the first ever clients and i was at the early stages of developing um the concept that eventually became arepa and um a job was going uh as business development manager and, and after the the first day um of us like using the, the the food bowl i kind of put my hand up and uh right time right place landed the role as business development manager and so so my role there was um being the the, the first person that uh the industry engaged with if they were looking to um go about developing a, a new concept and, and utilizing the food bowl so okay. we um we basically were the connectors with um uh, the the research and, and capability um, and supply side of uh, kind of the, the New Zealand food ecosystem, and we helped kind of match up um, all the all the amazing technology, all the amazing researchers, all the amazing you know food ingredients here in New Zealand with companies looking to develop high value food and beverage uh, projects, and so. We helped, um, you know, from small startups right the way through to large multinationals uh, develop a range of, of, of food and beverage uh, concepts for the local and, and export markets. And and under the, the, the roof of the food bowl, there was like probably the largest selection of, of food technology equipment under under the one roof. And um, on the world stage, it was, it was quite um, unique. And when we traveled around uh, the world and were presenting on what the food bowl was, um, at kind of global food tech conferences, um, you know, even the bigger nations, the US, um, uh, you know, Holland, um, Netherlands, sorry, and, you know, Japan, France, you know, big food tech producers, they're all really quite impressed at what uh, New Zealand had to offer and what the food bowl was. So I was really fortunate enough to, to work there and, um, and learn, I guess, what it takes to develop a, a successful um, food startup, food business startup, and, and what are the keys to you know competitive advantage and intellectual property and 
um, you know, functionality. Yeah. Um, I, it, I think visiting the food bowl is one on like my wish list, to be honest, because um, I read about it when I was still in India just before I moved back to New Zealand. And it just, yeah, sounds like such a great facility and such a great way of engaging with, you know, small and medium entrepreneurs and getting giving them that boost that they need. Um, because otherwise, just accessing these kind of machines and things like that, that's so capital intensive. And half the time, you don't even know, um, I exactly. guess, what kind of machine you need. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. The the reason why it became um, into existence was that that was precisely that. Um, whenever you know a small company or even a large company were, were looking at developing a, a new uh, food product or beverage product, um, if they didn't have the existing equipment, they would either have to invest you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in their own plant to to um, commercialize their product, or they would have to go to a, a, a contract manufacturer and and often risk losing the intellectual property or committing to very high um, uh, minimum order quantities to, to get that off the ground. So inherently there was a lot of risk to launching new products and that often, um, I guess, subdued the amount of new product innovations from and especially from the smaller um, end of town. And so uh, the food bowl was basically that stepping stone between proof of concept and commercialization and it just helps to de-risk a lot of new projects that you see out in the market today. Um, in terms of that wish list, I can definitely help you um, tick that off. They're very um, open and friendly and, and, and always welcome to, to um, and happy to meet with new people. So I can just pass you the contact details or just visit their website and touch base and they'll be more than happy to, to show you around. Awesome. Okay, definitely going to hit you up on that one. But let's get back to your story. So tell me, when did you come out um, with this idea to create this caffeine-free drink? You were working along at Food Bowl and, you know, I read that you came, you met with a neuroscientist to come up with the formulation. So can you tell us a little bit about that ideation process? Yeah, so it actually happened before my time at the Food Bowl. My first job um, after university was working for a very large energy drink company. And um, and I had uh, previously at high school, I'd lost a friend to mental health. And um, and during my time um, at working for this energy drink company, I lost a couple of grandparents to, to cognitive related illnesses. And, and I just started to see, you know, the rise of mental health and also, you know, friends and family dealing with stress, especially going into you know job interviews and, and awkward social situations and um, and I just started to think that you know at selling all these energy drinks it just didn't really resonate with me so I started to think you know well why can't we do a, a, a brain drink what is it what does a natural and healthy brain drink look like and why can't it help with Im- increasing your mental performance but also at the same time um, why can't it reduce your stress because that was the the thing that I guess energy drinks and, and coffee were missing is that they you know they help to keep you awake um but they actually exist caffeine exasperates stress and also energy drinks there's now like clinical evidence showing that they have adverse health effects um and so i started to think you know why can't we what does the perfect drink look like what does the world's smartest drink look like why can't it improve you know um, aspects of cognitive function now and also protect your brain in the long term 
And so I came across the food bowl. We, we did some rough prototyping. It tasted horrible. Um, and then I kind of went deeper on the, the journey. And um, at that point, I'd met my co-founder, uh, Zach Robinson, who's a super um, talented um, designer. He's an industrial designer, but leads our company from a design-led um, perspective. And um, yeah, we were connected one way or another to, I guess, all, all the signs were pointing to this world-renowned neuroscientist, um, this British psychopharmacologist who um, headed up the, the Centre for Human Psychopharmacology in Melbourne um, at Swinburne University. And uh, he had published a lot of the, um, the, the, the clinical research in the world of nootropics um, that a lot of you know companies and suppliers were, were using his science and so we just knocked on his door one day and um, so to speak and it took about three months to convince him uh, to develop a formula for us and, and we essentially paid him a, um, a, a large fee to, um, to de- develop this formula and we spent a bit of time designing what the brief would be for him because we, you know we wanted the, the formula to be perfect and to, to be future-proofed I I suppose and so we said you know we'd like a formula that could increase mental performance um be natural be caffeine free and also at the same time reduce uh stress and anxiety while being good for the brain now and good for the brain in the long term and and if that wasn't hard enough um could you please source at least one ingredient from new zealand <laughs> um from new zealand so that we could uh, I guess um, have something that was unique to us, so that when we started to go onto the world stage, um, we had a unique story, and um, we could also vertically integrate with the supply chain. And uh, yeah, he spent about two months on um, on going through the literature and, and looking at the the various bioactivity, and he came back to us um, uh, with this dossier of about probably 50 pages or so. And um, uh, yeah, he he produced this formula that ticked all those boxes. And instead of using one New Zealand ingredient, he used two. One was a a pine bark extract called enzoginal that's traditionally used as a natural alternative to Ritalin for ADHD children and used in high doses for concussion recovery. And then the other key uh, New Zealand ingredient is New Zealand blackcurrants, um, which are proven to reduce you know, mental fatigue and increase um, performance. And, um, and since then, we've actually honed in on a, a, on a unique to New Zealand variety uh, we call neuroberry, which has some, some really interesting uh, bioactivity um, around kind of neuro, the neuroprotection mood boosting space that we're um, doing some more research in. So yeah, once he, once he gave us that formula, um, we then spent probably another two years in development, um, putting these like very potent extracts that kind of tasted horrible uh, into a healthy and, and tasty um, beverage. And then we, um, we engaged with the, the University of Auckland to, to start our our, and develop our, our research pipeline and so that's been a, a great relationship and we've, um, we've pretty much got about uh, five studies uh, underway with them. So this is great that you gave such an amazing brief to your neuroscientists. I think in fact a lot of marketing people should maybe get some lessons from you on um, giving good briefs to their <laughs> agencies the way I see you talking about um, all the specific things that you told them. We wanted this and we want this and we don't want that. That sounds really amazing. Um, 
So another question I had was, you know, a huge part of the work you guys are doing seems to be on the actual research front of it, you know, and that's not something very typical for a beverage manufacturer to do. Because if I think about some of the other health drinks or energy drinks that are out there, most of them go about focusing on portraying how fun that drink is or all the good times that you can have with it. But your approach is radically different to that. Yeah, so that was, I guess, um, as part of our value, um, one of our three values within our company is uh, intelligence and, and their intelligence is actually undergoing, um, you know, scientific research on the finished product. A lot of companies kind of rely on existing research on their particular ingredients that they use, but often um, sometimes those ingredients uh, change their level of efficacies over time when they're in a, in a beverage matrix. And so um, what we wanted to do, and, and our goal is to produce the world's smartest beverage. So to do that, we need to be on the forefront of, you know, clinical research in this space. And so we've been fortunate enough to have a good relationship with the University of Auckland and we've undergone, um, we were kind of undergoing uh, five different clinical studies uh, looking at um, how our beverage um, affects uh, cognitive function, both short-term mental performance, but also long-term uh, neuroprotection and other kind of immune wellness boosting um, properties. And they, ha- they have a lot to do with the compounds that we're using, but also the combination, which we've uh, since patented and had approved, which is like a, you know, there's not many um, startups that produce a drink, do five clinical research, st- uh, five clinical studies, and then have, you know, two patents, you know, for a small New Zealand startup. We're quite proud of that. Um, so we look at, we know that our, our beverage, Arepa, can kind of enhance mental performance under various aspects of stress. And so these clinical studies that we have at the moment look at different types of stress, you know, whether it's mental stress or physical stress or long-term stress. Um, and, yeah, we're really excited about what the future holds for some of the research that we're um, undergoing at the moment. Probably the most interesting one that's um, been the most longstanding is a, um, a study where we're, we're actually scanning the brains of, um, of, our, of our participants participants um, using a, an, an EEG device, which is a whole bunch of um, nodes on the head. And we put them into this kind of like hexagon, you know, 3D structure. And we, we literally scan their brainwave activity. And our um, uh, the, the, PA, the neuroscientist um, who's doing his PhD or kind of um, in, involving our product, uh, Rohan King, um, he's super intelligent and he's producing terabytes of data now from scanning all of these brains and so he's having to start to use data science and and AI to actually um, process all of the data that we've collected from all of these brains both from a short-term consumption but also a long-term consumption of Arepa and um, and yeah we're really excited about what what it holds for the results our goal is to show that um, for this particular study that hopefully there's uh, both short-term benefits and long-term benefits and also looking at how we can activate alpha brainwave activity, which psychologists deem as the state of flow, which, you know, is kind of loosely termed as the zone. And they know what um, flow state is. And, and so alpha, um, uh, the Tadeo um, translation of that is arepa, which is kind of where we got our name from. Oh, that's that's amazing. And I just love the kind of research focus, especially because 
um, yeah, one is that it's not really, I think, been done before when we talk about health drinks. Um, and yeah, you want to create something that's good for people. Um, so I really appreciate that kind of value that your company holds where, you know, you're going, you know that you've created something, but you're going about and doing research to basically prove those claims. So that's amazing. But I mean, tell me, so how long has it actually taken you to then go from idea to market? Like this sounds like a really big process, like a really long process. So what has been maybe some of the key challenges could you share with us? Yeah, um, it's probably taken about seven years since we had the idea um, mm-hmm. to where we are now. Um, but, you know, this isn't the, I guess, the, the traditional way to, you know, think up and launch and start um, a, a, a kind of a, a functional food product. And and I've been, you know, Zach um, was basically has been full time as an industrial designer for ninety um, percent of this, and and I was full time as a um, business development manager at the Food Bowl, and so right. um, we were doing this in our as our in, in our spare time as kind of like our craft beer. I was yeah. lucky at the Food Bowl <laughs> where the um, where this the, sounds a little more complex than a craft beer you yeah, knock up in your garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, making craft beer is still um, there's still some complexities there, but I guess um, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, yeah w- working at the Food Bowl. Um, it definitely um, helped me along my my journey, and we were lucky where the staff were um, allowed to work on their own food concept, so that we could get a better understanding and empathy for helping startups. And so, mm-hmm. a lot of the the engineers and in, in the in the factory were working on you know craft beer or a coconut yogurt, and and my kind of project was this was this brain drink. And so, but it came to a point where. Um, uh, yeah, I was taking so much. I'd maxed out all my annual leave um, to, to make it. Then I needed to to, to, to leave the football and go, go full time. But I guess the the challenges, um, the, the biggest challenge was convincing um, our first group of investors to. Um, lend us the money to, to go and approach this neuroscientist for the formulation. Um, mm. cause at that point in time, it's, you know, it's, it's very conceptual and it's a lot of risk. And, um, but you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you the amount of business plans and market research that I did. And, um, certainly spent a lot of time kind of showing that there's a potential for this and there's a need and uh yeah and then so the first kind of challenge and hurdle was raising the the small amount of capital to um to do this this clinical study and and what um helped us convince the the neuroscientist professor andrew scully is um uh, we, uh, Zach, my co-founder, he helped me to, he helped design a really beautiful 3D render image of this kind of conceptual, you know, brain drink. And it looked like a, we called it at the time, a, an alpha wave elixir, a brain elixir. And, um, and so we had this kind of asset, um, uh, this like visual asset that we, we showed the, the neuroscientist and that kind of helped convince him to work with us because prior to that, all the research that he was doing was for the likes of Nestle and Unilever and, you know, the really big multinationals. 
Yeah. And um, and so yeah, we once we had the formula, um, we then had this like another asset, and uh, we could take that that asset to the next phase, which was convincing um, local New Zealand scientists to, to undergo um, a clinical study on this formula once we had kind of put it into a, um, a beverage. And, mm-hmm. and then the challenge that they came back to us with was like, well, you need a placebo. You need something that looks like your beverage, tastes like your beverage, but doesn't have the bioactives in it. So that's that put us on a, another year's worth of development because our beverage arepa tastes unique because of the bioactives that we have in it so you can imagine how hard it is to create something that looks and tastes like your bioactives but doesn't actually contain any of those you know amazing ingredients Um, so we worked with a really awesome flavor technology company to, to help us do that and then once we had that placebo, then the scientists started to get excited. And because of the reputation of um, Professor Scully, um, they saw the potential and they saw that this was quite a novel, interesting, exciting project to be a part of. And so we were we were really lucky where there were a lot of passionate researchers that were keen to involve us in their studies, which meant that it was an independent that, that independent studies versus us you know, really paying and forcing a, a right. scientist to study it how we wanted. So, um, so that was the kind of next step. And but then to do the first study, we needed um, investment, more investment. And so we actually approached the um, the pine bark extract company, Enzo Nutraceuticals. And uh, they, we, we offered them um, a, an opportunity to invest in us as a company. And in return, we would um, use their, that money to undergo a clinical study you kind of that involved their ingredient. And they, right. they really focused on science as well. And so they liked that concept. And for us, it was a win-win. We, we got the company um, that, that supplied our key ingredient to invest in us, which meant that we had you know, exclusivity to their key ingredient in our brain drink category. And then we, had the, we unlocked capital to then undergo you know, clinical research. And, and so um, that was kind of the next step. And so we did the first study. We found some interesting things. Um, we put a, a patent application underway. And then we kind of took that to um, our, our group of investors. And then we, um, we kind of did the same thing with uh, one of the largest blackcurrant growers in the industry. He used to supply Ribena globally. Yep. And and little did I know, but just as I had, was reaching out to the black cone industry for you know vertical integration and investment, Ribena had actually pulled out of buying New Zealand black currants. So that was basically like Fonterra pulling out of buying dairy from New Zealand dairy farmers. It was a huge blow to the black cone industry, and so we kind of came across at the right time. Um, and uh, yeah, we brought on one of the largest uh, growers, which has been an amazing. Um, uh, benefit to us and, and to them and uh, and so we brought on more capital and then we used that capital to basically launch our, our business so yeah it's taken about seven years and um, and close to a million dollars primarily in, in research and development often you know a, a startup beverage company would spend all of that in, in marketing and sales and their first production run but we kind of went the other way and sometimes you 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 know, at the time you think, oh, is this the right way? You know, we could have launched, you know, five years ago, you know, with the, the concept and loose science, but we thought, no, let's let's do the science, prove the, the efficacy and then launch after that. And, um, yeah, we've never really looked back after that. Awesome. That sounds um, really cool. And I'm actually curious that 
The first round of funding would obviously have been quite hard because you didn't really have anything concrete at that point. So did you go down the grants route or did you go down like just getting an angel investor? Um, I'm just curious like how, how it works. <laughs> yeah, so we had, um, there were angel investors. I spent a lot of time, you know, networking, family and friends. Our first mm-hmm. investor that came on board was um, Zach, my co-founder, uh, his father, Darren. And so he put in the, the angel investment and it's called angel investment for a reason um, and uh, to, to get us into Scully. And then, you know, we kind of just like, once you get your foot in the door and you you, you, yeah. you show something, then you can kind of build on that and leverage off that. And so yeah. over the course of the seven years, uh, we've just kind of expanded our, um, our investor base, primarily bringing on um, added value investment that can help the company beyond the money. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've been lucky with that. And then to do the the clinical research, we've, we've had, uh, Callahan Innovation, um, project funding, um, to support, um, the, the cost of that. And that, that's been, that's been really helpful. And and Callahan has been a, um, a great service to us. And I know to a lot of New Zealand businesses undergoing research and development. That's, that's really cool. And thank you for sharing that because I think that's really valuable for someone who is looking to, you know, innovate and create something which does require this amount of research and and research and development. So thank you. Um, So tell me a little bit, you did all this research and, you know, you're ready to go. Where did you start selling your beverage first? And do you have some interesting stories you can share with us from like those first few sales? Like, did you make those first sales based on taste or the mental clarity that your drink promises? Um, yeah, so the first place that we launched was into into Faroes, and um, you know Faroes are the champions of New Zealand artisans. Yeah, and and you know they uh, do a really great job at, at promoting new you know artisan food, and and I guess we were you know hybrids between artisans. We were definitely that like the, the definition of artisan is made by hand, and we were, we were definitely making the product <laughs> by hand when we first launched. Um, and yeah, so we, we launched there, um, while I was still full time. Um, and we basically were there pretty much exclusively with them and, and Huckleberry for about six months. And okay. that gave us enough time to, you know, get used to producing and selling and understanding what our, our growth hypothesis might look like. Um, and then from there, we, we just kind of grew organically, just expanding out into, a couple of the right new worlds um, and then all the various cafes and um, yeah, it was a, it's, it was a kind of, you know, it was a full on um, interesting journey when you, when you first launch and you, you have these big, um, you know, audacious goals of taking over the world and you think that it's just going to pop from day one and we were hoping that it was going to, you know, everyone would start to think that it was the new version of Red Bull but, you know, good for you and unique to New Zealand. But it took a a lot of time to actually uh, educate people and convince them and also, you know, um, grow awareness. We Because we had spent so much money in clinical research, we basically had no budget in advertising and so we, we grew organically through, um, you know, exhibiting at food shows and, um, and just getting on the road and doing samplings um, and tastings at, at the various supermarkets that we had just freshly got into. 
Um, and I guess what, what, what's helped us along that journey is that um, we, the, the product produces a, a real-time felt effect of mental clarity, um, especially, and it's heightened, the more the consumer is stressed or anxious or has a, has a cognitive concern of some um, type. One right. in six people worldwide are affected by neurological concern. Um, and that, that's ranging from, you know, small amounts of anxiety through to, you know, the more, um, you know, chronic end of, you know, depression, dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. And then you've got like traumatic brain and brain injury such as concussion and stroke and and um and what we've found from um our anecdotal evidence is that the more the consumer has you know one of these conditions or the more they are using us in a high pressure high stress circumstance such as an exam or or a speech or an interview the bigger they can feel our benefits and so when they when they feel those benefits, they turn into a net positive promoter for us, and they tell their friends and family. So we've just grown slowly, but slowly, um, but in a way almost exponentially. Because as we turn on um, you know, new new customers, they tell their friends, and then and then because I bet you yourself would know someone that's either had depression or anxiety or a concussion or a stroke or you know some sort of neurological concern because we all do. Yeah, and yeah. so when we get our product in front of those people, there's a really good chance that they'll feel a, a benefit that you know is actually meaningful to them. That turns them into a you know a lifelong consumer, and they want to share that that kind of um, that effect with their friends and family. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you because um, and especially around the what you said around the neurological concern with the fact that I mean pretty much all of us face that, you know, in different environments, like going for a job interview or doing something that scares us. So if you found something that actually worked, you're going to stick with it. So, um, yeah, just convincing those people on the felt effect is the way to go. Cool. I read on your website that you basically are stocked in almost about 200 cafes. Um, but I'm really curious about selling in those cafes where caffeine would otherwise be their main product. So how did you go about convincing those cafes that stocking Arepa was, you know, a good decision? Yeah, so the, you know, not every consumer um, uh, is a consumer of caffeine. And a lot of people, although they might drink caffeine, they know that it gives them um you know, some negative effects later on. And so what we were, um, our proposition to the cafes were, were that, um, and a lot of cafes sell, you know, juices and kombuchas anyway. So I guess we were, um, it's, we're not really, we're not designed to compete directly with coffee. No one's going to replace coffee. Um, what we're trying to do is to um, offer a solution uh, or a tool to help people be calm and think clear when they need it most. And so um, for the cafes, it was a no-brainer in the sense that they knew that they had customers that might not necessarily want a coffee, especially in the afternoon. So we, we kind of came in and, 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 and obviously when we were new and unknown, um, there was a lot of, you know, risk to the, or the, the cafe owner thought there, there might be a bit of risk. So we just said, look, here, take this box. If you don't sell it, um, we'll take it back off you. You don't have to pay for it until it's sold. And, um, and, and from there, they, they basically were like, 
keen to, to take it and um and and we've been customers um of theirs well they've been customers of ours ever since and there are a lot of a lot of, lot of people that you know want to have a break you know go to a cafe and relax but may not necessarily want a coffee because they're too nervous for something or or it's the afternoon and they don't want to stay up all night so we just kind of fill that void True, true. And uh, yeah, I mean, I always, because often, like you said, a coffee is just a place to meet people. You don't necessarily want to have the coffee and then you just end up having it because there's nothing else there <laughs> to have, So, which often happens to me. Cool. So tell me, when did you introduce your other products like the powder and the capsules? Did that come much later or was that pretty much all at the same time? The uh, so our formula that we worked with with our um, neuroscientist Professor Scully, we realised that um, it could be translated into different formats. And the pattern that we have doesn't just cover the beverage; it just covers the combination of those ingredients in a number of different formats. And what we found was that there were a lot of consumers that were were buying our product, our beverage, regularly, but. Our, um, our beverage, you know, it, it is um, a, a more premium cost per serving. And so we looked at, and especially for those people who needed us on a daily basis, and we call this the maintenance crowd, such as the, you know, people recovering from concussion or a brain injury or people who have, you know, mental, um, mental health or cognitive health problems. And they're looking for, you know, nutrition to help them along their journey. So we looked at, you know, what is the most cost-effective um, format for these customers who, who need this product but on a daily basis. And so our superfood powder um, was the, the first product off the ranks where, you know, it's, it's just over a dollar per serving versus our, you know, 599 and 699 um, beverage. Um, and so this was um, this was the perfect solution to that, and it's like it's it's our you know online where we sell it the most. It's kind of it's it's a it's it's the it's a third a third a third in terms of our capsules, our beverage, and and the powder in terms of the most popular products. Um, and and so that's been great. So they sprinkle it on their cereal in the morning or put it into smoothies, and then and then the no and then the the, the next product um, which was really obvious, and we were receiving a lot of inquiries to see whether we would create it were, were the capsules and so we um we just put our, our formula into the capsule format and launched that and yeah that's like possibly the, the most popular product online okay that sounds cool so tell me do you guys um now have your own production facilities or you know i'm just curious because this essentially was a project that started while you were working at the food ball so do you end up using the food ball for your production or have you invested in your own production facilities? Yeah, so we used the food ball initially to launch because um, the equipment that uh, we were using kind of totaled up to almost over a million dollars, which we could no way afford. Um, so we used the food bowl to manufacture ourselves for the, probably the first like year and a half, and um, it became apparent, you know, very quickly that this wasn't going to be um, a long-term solution because we were in the factory. You know, over time the demand increased, and we were basically in the factory more than we were um, out in the market selling and promoting and working on the business rather than um, in the business. And uh, so we, and, and it became a family affair where you know my parents would come up and, and help and we 
I'd bring in um, friends who were um, looking for to try something new or just you know um, finishing university and um, looking for work and you know we'd all be just covered in, in purple um, berry um, extract <laughs> and, and juice by the end of it and these um, white lab coats I always felt sorry for the um, the cleaning um, the people who'd clean the lab coats afterwards but um, we then moved to a, a larger scale contract manufacturer after that um, who do the likes of Karma Cola um, and a whole range of other uh, beverages and so we, we outsourced our, our manufacturing to um, a, a company that is uh, you know it's their business to contract manufacturer beverages which right. that then ties up um, or it frees up capital you know we don't want to invest our own investment um, into tying it into equipment we want to invest our money into the science um, and so uh, we we kind of you know our our factory, quote unquote, is a, is a you know is a small um, shared space office, um, and similar to say Lewis Road Creamery, you know you think that they're a big dairy company and they would own their own plant facility, but they outsource um, their uh, their production um, runs to to a, very, a range of different contract manufacturers, and and we run a similar model. Um, so we're we're more of an intellectual property. Um, and brand company rather than a, a, an actual manufacturer of, of the food products. But in saying that, there is a lot of um, food tech involved in how we make our products and we give the, the, the producers um, a, a very tight brief that, and standard and spec that they need to meet in order to fulfill the um, requirements um, of, our, of, our, of our products. Cool. That sounds great. And I'm um so impressed with all the amazing growth that you've had which is really cool and i actually even read that jacinda arden and larry page have tried your product so that would be cool yeah that was um it was uh, nice to, to have we were at um the field days last year um where jacinda um kind of and her, her crew uh, came by our stand and um, yeah, they walked away with um, a box of box of drinks and some of our neuro berries, and then um, uh, Larry Page. Um, he uh, was in, in the country on his super yacht, and um, and his um, uh, team from the super yacht reached out to us, and so I went on to his his amazing yacht um, and learnt more about their requirements and kind of had to answer some really interesting nutritional um, questions with regards to what we contain or more importantly what we don't contain and we fulfilled those requirements and then they bought you know a small um, pallets worth of of beverages and powder um, for both Larry and his family and also the um, the staff um, so that was a an interesting experience as well and then from that we um uh it wasn't really even connected um but we we did also have the, the head of um nutrition and behavioral sciences from uh google uh reach out to us and um they were looking to supply us into their, their head office in california um but this was in march and uh and then COVID hit, and now they're all working from home. And so um, that's been um, pushed out a lot, which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah, it was really quite – they liked us because of the science that we had. And so we're, um, we're still continuing that uh, opportunity, um, which is really exciting. 
Yeah. In fact, I would say with COVID, um, I don't know, I have two kids, <laughs> I have two kids at home and I'm trying to do a full-time job. So I think I'd need your drink even more <laughs> rather than less if I was at the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. That we have, we've been lucky in the sense that, you know, mental, mental clarity, mental wellness, immunity is, um, is the space that we deliver quite strongly in. And it's something that a lot of people need right now. Um, and we've been um, fortunate in the sense that we've seen our, our business grow pretty much 25% month on month since since March and so through through COVID and through the lockdown. We lost a lot of retail sales um, with the lockdown, um, but we did our online um, kind of grew uh, really uh, quite a large amount, which we were um, really thankful for. Awesome. And so now you guys have actually started exporting as well. Is that correct? So where do you export to right now? And um, I don't know, can you can you tell us sure. a picture of the company that you have in the next five or six years? Yeah, so our goal is to become the world's number one brain health and performance brand. Um, and so we're, we're doing that with the science, the unmatched science, um, the unique kind of ingredients and in the formula, and then, you know, slowly expanding into the right offshore markets. And so we have um, our online store is, is trading in Australia now um, where we're kind of doing local shipping um, to consumers throughout the country and we're just working on our on our launch plan for um going kind of growing online but also going into the key retail outlets we have about uh five distribution partners in asia from singapore hong kong taiwan uh korea um and japan um, and they're all just starting to kind of build out the, the strategy. You know, COVID's definitely delayed things for us. But, um, you know, again, because of this, this health halo that we have um, and, you know, mental wellness, we, um, uh, they still see that there's, there's big potential. So um, we've got some, some interesting partners there. And then our, our kind of our plan ourselves is to um, is to use Australia as the proof of concept for us to launch in a in a foreign country ourselves, and then we'll take those learnings on, on how how to do that from Australia, and then apply that into the US um, early next year. Sounds like an exciting plan, and. Um... I think you've taken the marketing handbook of big, hairy, audacious goals um, really seriously, which is really cool. And I wish you luck on your um, on your journey. Um, I guess my as we wrap up, like, could one last question would be like, is there any tips that you could share for someone who is, you know, dreaming of starting up something similar? I mean, not something similar, but something in the FMCG space. You've obviously been on quite a long journey yourself. Um, yeah, so I'm just curious to know maybe your top three tips or something that you could share with us? Sure. Um, top three tips. One would be to, you know, never give up. Um, uh, but also, um, I think I've said these before, do do your homework and, and really understand 
um, you know, is your concept going to be scalable? Um, can other people make it at scale? Can you make it at scale? Do you know the cost that it's going to take to to produce this at scale? Is this something that you know uh, um, you know consumers want? Go beyond you know your friends and family's feedback and look at you know is this really something that people want in the market? And then is it competitive? How is it different to what's out there? Why is it better? How can you protect that um, and then the last um, uh, tip would be to just politely hustle and it, that's something that I've learned over these years is you just need to constantly network constantly um, meet new people and but do it politely and, and do it in a, in a friendly manner and, and help the people out um, that you know you're wanting to potentially gain some help from in the future um, you know add value to, to them before you know they help you so that you know when that time comes, they, they really do give you a helping hand. And, and um, yeah, I'd say those would be my, my top three tips. Yeah, I think um, I love your favorite. My favorite one of what you said is the politely hustle. I saw, I read about it um, in an interview <laughs> you did as well. And I just love the term. And I've actually, since prepping for the show and reading about it, I've actually already used it like three or four times. I, nice term. I right. like it. Thank you. <laughs> cool. So now moving on to my favorite part of the show, which is what I call fast food five. Okay. So nothing to do with fast food, but five fast questions about food. So cool. are you ready? Yes. All right. Um, I think I already know this one, but uh, coffee, tea, or arepa, what would you drink in the morning? Uh, for me in the morning, um, you'd be surprised. It would be a ginger tea. I like oh, okay. Yep, yep. I use arepa um, kind of before, an hour before, like a really big moment. Um, so it's, it's it, the time of day changes for me. Okay, <laughs> cool. And if you were a fruit, which one would you be? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would be a, uh, <laughs> I'd be a green kiwi fruit. Oh, green kiwi. Hairy on the outside, but good for you on the inside. <laughs> Nice. Okay. The one thing you must always have in your pantry. Uh, outside of arepa, I would say a good supply of um, oat milk. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do like oat milk. I prefer it to almond milk. I must say that. Yeah. Okay. Favorite Sunday meal. Mm. Favorite Sunday meal. I would say... Uh, probably a, a, it's a it's a hard <laughs> one but probably a um a mediterranean style baked fish Ooh, that's unique that's a nice one i like it all right and last question favorite drink to have when celebrating favorite drink to have when celebrating um Oh, that is a really good question. My university self would say a, you know, a nice cold uh, craft beer. Mm. Um, my uh, arepa self would say a nice cold sparkling arepa. Okay, fair enough. I'll allow you that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Angus, for coming on the show. I've had a lovely time chatting with you. And like I said before as well, I just wish you luck. I think what you're trying to do is amazing. Um, yeah, so wish you all the best on your journey. Thanks very much, Persian. Appreciate the opportunity. Okay, take care. See ya. 
listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.